All right, here's a show that I've been looking to do for quite some time. One that is very subjective. One that is very debatable and I think is is downright fun to do. And that is my Mount Rushmore of wrestling. Who is on it? Will you agree with any of them? Let's find out right after this. Dynamite Sports. We put the R in sports. Swag for this lifestyle. Defined as aspirational living, blended with an unquenchable taste for the arts, fashion, sports, and technology. One having an authentic display towards this swagfamous lifestyle. Dynamite Sports. We put the R in sports. Swagfamous lifestyle. Defined as aspirational living, blended with an unquenchable taste for the arts, fashion, sports, and technology. One having an authentic display towards this swagfamous lifestyle. It's time for your weekly fix of wrestling nostalgia. When we look at wrestling's past eras, from the Attitude Era to the Reality Era. I'd like to think that maybe this company will be better after Vince McMahon's dead, but the fact is, it's it's going to get taken over by his idiotic daughter and his doofus son-in-law and the rest of his stupid family. To today. Here on the WWE Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to your Wrestling Nostalgia Night on the WWE Podcast. Right now, as I speak, it is June 24th, 2020. And hopefully that doesn't change, right? It's not close to midnight here, but... Uh, It is June 24th as we get closer and closer to closing out this month of June. In a week, it will be July. It's insane, right? Think about how quickly things are moving already. And um, I hope things are uh, are going well for you. Um, I I know that uh, that this is a crazy, crazy time. And now coronavirus seems to be making a comeback. And uh, all the craziness of people tearing down statues and... Uh, we got a, a presidential race to uh, think about in the, in the coming months and all of that nonsense. But we are here to take you away from that. We're here to let you play in La La Land and talk about pro wrestling. And to get into a topic tonight that is extremely subjective. I know going into this that I will be immediately disagreed with. Uh, probably by many people. I, I might have some people on this Mount Rushmore of mine that you agree with, probably one or two, <clears throat> maybe three out of four, and God knows, maybe four out of four for some of you. And it's extremely subjective, and it's really, really, really difficult to only choose four. As we know, Mount Rushmore has four presidents on it, so I'm going to pick four and be true to the true number that are on Mount Rushmore. So we're going to get to my picks in just a minute, and trust me when I tell you that My list is not the end-all, be-all, nor do I think it is the only right answer. Believe it or not, I know that there could be cases to be made for other individuals on this imaginary pro-wrestling Mount Rushmore. And, uh, you know, could I be talked out of some of these with the right persuasive individual? Probably. And uh, I was going to wait for a co-host to do this, and and I could still do that in the future, but I got an idea from a listener to do this, and I said, hey, let's run with it. Let's run with this. And I I eventually will have a a, a co-host on to discuss this. 
as well as a co-host on to discuss the entire Undertaker Last Ride documentary for a full review and thoughts on uh, on what we learned and what we saw in one of the most amazing documentaries I've seen, pro wrestling or otherwise. So uh, we're, we're going to really dive into that and a lot more. But uh, before we get started, I do want to answer a question. And this is a question from a very loyal listener, somebody that is close to the show, somebody that I uh, you know, miss interacting with on Twitter, among many, many other people. Uh, it is, it's tough to not have Twitter, but we're growing ourselves on Instagram and, uh, slowly but surely and on Facebook at facebook.com slash the WWE podcast. Instagram is WWE underscore podcast. Um, if anybody has any ideas on how to get my account unsuspended or you have kind of the in with somebody on Twitter, like, you know, somebody that works there, (laughs) probably at that point now where I am really, uh, just taking a shot in the dark because I've tried all avenues that people have suggested and, uh, all of them are dead ends. So, um, but nonetheless, I got a question from DJ Kuzmo, and so shout out to him, who is a very loyal listener, and I appreciate all of the questions and the passion you have for this show and for wrestling in general. So, he says that uh, he has two questions. So here it goes: With the return of the cult leader, is it possible for a one-off of Wyatt of the Wyatt family reunion of sorts for the next pay-per-view or SummerSlam, like Eric Rowan? Uh, possibly returning since the WWE only shows Bray, Braun, and Eric and not Luke Harper, i.e. Brody Lee, and a couple of video promos. So I'll I'll take that question first. So do I see a possible one-off for the Wyatt family? I could see it, yes. Um, I guess time will tell. And, And it's hard for me to answer this because I don't know if this is a one-off for Bray Wyatt where he just showed himself last week as the swamp cult leader to Braun Strowman, or if it's a trend that he's going to be adding this personality to his other two, I would think it's the latter. I would think, and I went over this with uh, Mary Grader this past weekend on the nearly three-hour freaking show we did, that I believe it's going to be similar to the three faces of Foley, where he had Do Love, Cactus Jack, and Mankind, I think you're going to see Bray Wyatt have Bray Wyatt, the Firefly Funhouse kids show host. You're going to have the swamp cult leader of the of Bray Wyatt, and you're going to also see the fiend. And I think when you look at the level of intensity or difficulty to beat this person, it's going to start out with Bray Wyatt, the kids host, swamp cult leader, and then it's going to be the fiend. So I think Braun Strowman is at personality two of three, and he will eventually get to three. At SummerSlam. Um, with all that being said, uh, I could see a reunion. Uh, the thing is, Bray Wyatt is a heel, and that they've continued to promote him as a heel since day one, even though he's gotten a very, very positive reaction in front of a live audience. Uh, remember what that's like? Yeah, I think I remember what that noise is like. He's gotten a very positive reaction anytime he's been in the arena. He has yet to get severely booed. He's gotten neutral reactions at times, or uh, slightly positive, but it's never been totally negative where this guy's over, you know, as a heel mega over. He's not. So, um, I think it's going to be difficult to keep him heel, but the key is here. If you're going to have Bray Wyatt as a heel, you need to have cronies. You need to have Bray Wyatt have cronies that he can use to take the bumps for him. And 
Not every heel has to have that, but you do have a history here with Bray Wyatt, and you could have a temporary one-off here. Yes. So to answer your question in a long form, yes, I could see a one-off, one-off for this particular character because it was built around the Wyatt family, not just himself, for SummerSlam, or, or sorry, for Extreme Rules, to defeat or try to defeat Braun Strowman. And once it fails, and it will because... As we all know, Bray Wyatt, the cult leader, has had very few, if any, big wins. It's just his M.O., talking a big game, speaking in riddles, being super intriguing, but never actually having any substance to it because he continues to lose. Um, So I think that's going to continue to be the case. But it would be cool to see Eric Rowan and uh, uh, with back with with Braun Braun Strowman, with Bray Wyatt, obviously, as you mentioned. Luke Harper is now a part of, uh, of AEW, doing very well as Brody Lee, as the uh, the exalted one in the Dark Order. So certainly you're not going to see him show up, but it'd be cool to have Eric Rowan back, at least to try to uh, steal one from Bray Wyatt or from uh, Braun Strowman. So yeah, um, I could see it happening, but I think it's a one-off just to get to The Fiend at SummerSlam. Okay, second question. With the absence of the aforementioned Roman Reigns, can we see in his eventual return a change in his character to new and updated Roman, a change to either his gear, hairstyle, wardrobe, or dreaded aforementioned, uh, <laughs> he says UG with like three H's, or 30 H's, I should say, um, big dog gimmick and promo delivery. What do you think? Great show as always uh, on this awesome pod. Thank you so much, DJ. So... I've been com- contemplating this for some time now, ever since Roman Reigns disappeared from our TV screens in uh, the middle of March. You know, it's been a really late March. That it's been a little bit like, what what do we do with Roman, right? Is this a time to repackage him slightly? I mean, you're not going to come back and have him be, uh, y- you know, uh, the boogeyman or have him be Mordecai. Anybody remember him? Or am I speaking out of my, my backside? Remember Mordecai? He was on SmackDown for a while, or Heidenreich. Heid- uh, Mordecai, by the way, was like a kind of a wannabe Undertaker cult leader that came out with like a cross, and uh, it was it was kind of weird. Uh, it felt very rip off of Undertaker. But anyway, they're not going to do something extreme like that. Um, but is it a time to to maybe add or tweak his character or tweak his gear? Uh, I think I have one answer for you. So I'm not sure if that's clear enough for you, but uh, there is no better time than to right now to have something different with Roman Reigns. And not many people are thinking about it. I'm glad you brought it up. And this is a wrestling nostalgia show, guys. I'm, I will get to things uh, and, and get to my Mount Rushmore in, in just a second. But for the, the this purpose of Roman Reigns, I think it's absolutely critical. It's critical for the babyface character of Roman Reigns in order to continue it, or at least continue on a path that won't get him booed out of the building, um, because I think he was on that path prior to prior to uh, prior to leaving, is to change something. They haven't done a damn thing since he left the Shield. Nothing. Okay, he changed where he came out to the ring from the crowd to the ramp. So he's at least joined the rest of the boys. And not felt that he's above coming to the ring, you know, down the ramp. Um, 
So they changed that. They've done nothing to his his uh, attire, zero, nothing to his hair, nothing to his music. Uh, he has improved slightly in promos. I wouldn't say that he's tearing the you know the 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 roof off the building by any means. He still has yet to give me a promo that makes me feel anything. Nothing. I mean, other than his real life issue with cancer, which as a human being, I mean, I don't know how anybody doesn't feel something for the man as a human being. I'm talking character, the character Roman Reigns, not Joe. Uh, I, I just, there is no better time to do it. Do something with his, even, even if it's slightly adjusting his music, uh, if Roman got a haircut or if he, um, although his hair is like his signature, right? I mean, the women love it. So I don't think they'll do anything with his hair, but to tweak his gear, stop making him look, look like an FBI you know, or, or a SWAT team uh, member. Like, take the vest off, man. Like, you're not in the shield anymore. Do something different. If Roman Reigns comes back and he's the same guy, I think they've missed an opportunity. But when history is looked at here with guys that have returned from long, long absences, like Dean Ambrose, they didn't do anything with him, Right. He came back and did the same thing. He, he bulked up. He, so he made a personal decision to make his body look different. But they didn't do anything different with him. Nothing changed. Right? John uh, Morrison. What did they do? Stick him right back where he left off with, uh, with The Miz. I mean, so they have a history of just sticking guys back where the comfort zone is. And if you've learned anything from the Undertaker documentary series, you know that change and adaptability is key to longevity of your character. And that's, I think, a part, a part of why Roman Reigns has not reached his potential, especially as a babyface character. You guys know where I'm going to go with this, so I need to stop myself before a rant begins about the Roman Reigns character, because I haven't talked about him in quite some time. Three months. He's been gone for three months. It's crazy. And you know what? I don't really miss him. I mean, I, I don't, I, because I really don't particularly find him a very interesting wrestling character. He's very robotic. Uh, he's kind of the, 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 corporate, uh, the corporate assembly line version of what they want to be uh, presenting as a pro wrestler or a performer, as they would love to uh, eradicate the word wrestling. Although, ironically, they named the, the match at Extreme Rules the greatest wrestling match ever. But um, in general... I think they would like to eradicate the word wrestling from their language. But um, I, I just, I think it's a, it's a huge missed opportunity. Like, why wouldn't you not want to do something? Uh, so we'll see. We'll see. My answer, though, I think is no. My answer is I think they just keep the status quo. Oh, he's back. Let's hit a couple of spears. You know, uh, do a 20-second promo, stare into the camera, look mean, and... Uh, do a suit, you know, 8,000 Superman punches, which is one of the worst wrestling moves I've ever seen in my life. It's just a, a complete, it's a complete exposure of the business and, and I'm getting on a rant. So let's stop because we're here to talk about wrestling nostalgia. I just wanted to get those questions out of the way uh, because they're interesting and I wanted to discuss them on the air and give DJ a shout out. So thank you. Alrighty, let's get to wrestling nostalgia. Let's get to Who's on my wrestling Mount Rushmore? And again, this is not a top four. So in, in other words, these top four are not in any particular order. Um, it's not like I am going to name the first one as this is number one, number two, number three, number four. Mix and match. 
I mean, you, you can make a case for any one of these guys being one of the top guys in the business uh, or, or having the biggest impact. And let me tell you how I came to these these names. Um, there's a lot of ways to measure how you put who you do on this imaginary mountain. There's a lot of different things to look at, a lot of different variables. And depending on how you value each variable, meaning when you grew up, right? Because if you grew up in a different era, you're going to value the guys you saw as kids, as a kid and maybe as an early teen, probably higher than what you did as a maybe a casual fan down the line. But if you're looking at this objectively and just look at the numbers, who drew the most money? Is that a big deal? Yeah, I think it's a big deal. How about the overall impact on the business? Well, that's kind of general, right? It, that's very... To say who had the biggest impact overall on the business, well, how do you, how do you uh, determine that? Because that's like, well, the overall impact of did they spike ratings? Did they generate... How much uh, revenue did they generate? Pay-per-view buys. That's a number that's not really looked at that much anymore. But how do you measure these things? Again, there's so much subjective matter to this. And the, the problem is we also don't have the true numbers. With WWE um, being a private company prior to 1999, we don't have a lot of the financials prior to 1999. We don't know how, much, how many t-shirts that WWE sold for, say, Bret Hart, right? So how many t-shirts did Bret Hart bring in in revenue for the company? And how do you measure how many people purchased a pay-per-view simply because somebody that they loved was on it? It's nearly impossible to measure these these things because when you purchase a pay-per-view, it doesn't say, why are you buying this pay-per-view, right? It just says, give me your money, and now you can view it. (laughs) So... um, and again, this is before the WWE network model when the pay-per-view model was uh, king and the network was all but a pipe dream. But I think, you know, it, again, it's hard in numbers, dollars to measure a specific individual of how much truly they brought in for the business. Only WWE has those actual specifics. And even though they're a public company now, we have access to their financial records like, you know, cash flow sheets and uh, their, their accounting and all that kind of thing. But we don't have access to, or at least they don't publicly put out there, how much each performer, each wrestler, see, they got me speaking their awful language, how much each wrestler earned for the company. They don't put that out there. So it's really, really difficult to even today as a public company to decipher, well, by superstar, by wrestler, who's generating the most money? WWE has those figures. We don't. So, again, we're, we're probably going to take dollars out because it's very, very, very difficult to specify down to the level of individual performer exactly how much money they brought in. So we're going to go with the even more subjective, and rather than data, because it's very difficult to narrow that down and to specify dollars to, to, to wrestlers, the, you know, the overall crowd reactions – Right, crowd reaction is very easily measurable. Right, so crowd reaction, when you hear say Austin's music, boom, you know a monster pop is coming almost every single time. If you smell right, The Rock, boom, you, you get that right away. Uh, you know there are certain wrestlers that just get that reaction. So we're gonna go by crowd reaction. We're gonna go by longevity in the business because I think it is important that 
you have someone that is there for a significant amount of time, you know, 10 years plus to really truly make an impact on that business. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to put anybody on here. That's only, was only in WWE for like two, three years, right? Like we're not going to put in, or even a year like Goldberg, who was there from 2003 to 2004. And, uh, you know, we're not going to put in guys that just were in WCW that came over and, and things like that. And, and to be totally fair too, since I'm a WWE guy, I never really watched WCW. I was a Monday Night Raw guy through and through. I did not watch Nitro that much. Uh, I, I would turn into it, and I'm like, this is just not as good as, as Raw. Raw just drew me in for its just simple, like it's it's simple, easy process to watch. It felt more, it felt more organized than WCW did. WCW was just kind of like. To me, again, watching it as like a 15-year-old kid, I was just like, I'm not following. The characters didn't grab me like uh, the, the, the guys in WWE did for whatever reason. And I, obviously, I chose right considering WWE bought WCW. So, disclaimer, I am a WWE guy. So, you know, these guys that I'm picking are WWE, uh, WWE wrestlers. So, okay, just a little bit on that. So, we're going to go by crowd reaction. We're going to go by longevity. Um and just overall emotion, overall emotional connection you had with that character, emotional connection, emotional uh, investment is a phrase that is thrown a lot around wrestling. It's thrown a lot around wrestling, but you can throw that phrase around in movies. You can throw that phrase around in TV. And why is it important for anything you watch? Because if you don't care about what you're watching, you tune out, you change the channel, you go to something else. So, when WWE talks about or wrestling fans talk about emotional investment, it most emotional investment creates dollars. And WWE is in the business of a for-profit company. They're not a not-for-profit. So if fans don't have an emotional connection, why would they buy your merchandise? Right? So this is, again, a very subjective thing, but we're going by those three factors. We're going by longevity, we're going by overall crowd reaction, and we're going by emotional connection with the fans. There's a, there's many other factors, I know, but in, a, in the interest of this this podcast and the interest of uh, simplicity, that's how I put these guys on my, uh, on my Mount Rushmore. So, all right. Well, I guess with all of the suspense out of the way, let's just get to my first individual... That's on my Mount Rushmore. All right. Well, I don't think this one's a surprise to anybody, right? Like, whether you know me personally, you know me just through this podcast, I don't think it's any secret that uh, I think Stone Cold is... On this on this Mount Rushmore, I don't think it's surprising to anybody, and nor should it be. But I think that this is a number one a safe choice. I think I think this would be a high vote, a high percentage of a vote to get on the Mount Rushmore of wrestling. Now, this this guy, I mean, I don't even know where to begin. This is not going to be a pro a Stone Cold Steve Austin biography by any means. But I'm telling you why I put him on here. Now, if I'm going by my three metrics that I laid out of um, of crowd reaction, well, <laughs> I mean, do I even need to talk about Austin's crowd reaction? Is it even worth mentioning? Still to this day, 
has the biggest pop in the history of pro wrestling. Even even when he comes back for like the 25th anniversary of Raw or the Raw reunion or or old school Monday Night Raw, whatever weird occasion WWE decides to create, Stone Cold, all these years later, he's been out of wrestling for 17 years. 17 years. It was his last match in Seattle, Washington, March 30th, 2003 against The Rock. And so we're heading on 18 years, but there was... Nobody bigger or hotter. And like I said, even 17 years later, he still gets the biggest pop in wrestling. It's crazy. It's crazy. And so crowd reaction, check. Biggest of all time. I don't care who you put against him. Nobody. Nobody. Triple H's return in 2002. That's a one-off, right? You, You talk about Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan's had some big pops. But nobody, even The Rock, sure. But nobody has had the instant roar, the instant just screaming for Stone Cold Steve Austin. Nobody. Nobody even touches him. John Cena doesn't come close. I mean, Kane, Big Show, nobody, right? I'm thinking of the best of the best. Bruno San Martino, you go way, 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 way back. No. This guy, to me, had a crowd reaction that was off the charts and oftentimes deafening. I've been in the arena. I was there at Raw 25 in Brooklyn at the Barclays Center in 2018. And let me tell you, that was one of the loudest crowd reactions I've ever heard. (laughs) And uh, it it was just flat out awesome. So crowd reaction check. Uh, You talk about emotional connection. I mean, the guy sold uh, millions of dollars in t-shirts in WWE back in uh, the 90s, in early 2000s. Um, he, he came up with a lot, you know, tons and tons of merchandise for WWE to sell. Still sells merchandise on WWEshop.com. And again, we don't have the specific numbers, but you can pretty safely say millions of dollars he generated for WWE in terms of just merchandise. Pay-per-view buys, again, hard metric to measure, but you can pretty much bet that he had a big, big, big factor into what uh, the numbers were for pay-per-view buys. He main-evented WrestleMania numerous times, many, many times. Um, Held the WWF Championship six, seven times. Uh, He was, he's in the Hall of Fame. That certainly doesn't hurt. But this guy had an emotional connection with the fans that was unlike any other and continues to be like any other Nobody can touch Stone Cold Steve. I think Stone Cold Steve Austin should be on like uh, a statue that's on Mount Rushmore. <laughs> I mean, like he should have like a uh, his own monument that's on Mount Rushmore. But he is certainly included. And you talk about longevity. Okay, fine. Stone Cold really was only Stone Cold Steve Austin from 1997 on forward through 2003. So he really only had an in-ring career of about six years as Stone Cold Steve Austin. So he wrestled as a ringmaster. Yes, he was the Hollywood Blondes in WCW with Brian Pillman. Um, we, we know that. And he went to ECW and became Stone Cold and found himself. We know the story. We've seen it over and over and over. And then the rest is history once he finds Stone Cold in 1997. And things really, really took off, clearly, but yes, he and else I I don't think there's a better way to put this. He didn't have necessarily the years in that many other guys did. But he he never burned the longest. But damn did he burn the hottest. 
I don't think there's anybody that burned hotter than Stone Cold Steve Austin ever. Ever. And to this day, nobody even comes close. Just YouTube the crowd reactions. It will make today's crowd reactions seem childish. Childish. And yeah, I know we're in a pandemic. I'm not talking about the Performance Center. I'm talking about you know prior to that. I mean, Edge's return in, in the Royal Rumble at number 21 was probably the closest I've heard since you know the, the Ruthless Aggression era. Seriously. So Edge brought me back because he gave me chills and... and that's a whole other topic. But, again, Austin checks all the boxes. I don't think it's a surprise that Austin is on my Mount Rushmore. It should be kind of a given and probably on most people's. I, I, would, I would think that Stone Cold Steve Austin is, is on most people's um, uh, li- Mount Rushmore. And, again, you talk about, you talk about emotional connection. And it, there was nobody, I think, that had a stronger connection with the audience than Stone Cold Steve Austin. And amazing he didn't have to pander and talk about being a fighting champion like every babyface in WWE has to today. It's just like a, a, a script requirement. You got to be a fighting champion. Make sure everyone knows you're a fighting champion. You want to defend your belt. It, it's, it's seriously a just a law in WWE uh, scripting for babyfaces that when they win a championship, they have to just transparently be obnoxious about how much they want to defend their belt, which kind of makes them look foolish, doesn't it? It kind of makes them look foolish because it's also, it's a, yeah, you can say, oh, it's, I'm going to push myself. I want to defend it. Well, you're also putting yourself at risk for getting screwed over, right? Pulling up the tights, using the ropes, having interference. I mean, you name it. So, <laughs> and furthermore, it also kind of devalues the belt because you're saying that anyone deserves a chance. Well, how about, it, how about you don't? How about you just let the championship be the one that drives it? In other words, the value of the belt should be the, the determining factor in who gets a shot. Not just because I say I should. And I want to be a, prove I'm a fighting champion and make sure the crowd likes me for being a stand-up guy and not backing down from a fight. It, I mean, look at Raw. And, and by the way, one last thing. And I'm going to get to my number two choice here. My, or my number two person on the Mount Rushmore. Can we please, please, begging... WWE, please stop welcoming us to Monday Night Raw with somebody, the first person that comes out. I, I don't care if the announcers do it. That's their job. They should. But I don't need Drew McIntyre coming out and welcoming us to Monday Night Raw. Every single person that comes out has to say welcome to Monday Night Raw. Why? We've, I've been watching wrestling. I know what show this is. It's just a, It's a small thing. It's a small thing, but it's just, it takes me away because it's, Everyone says it. So it just kind of reinforces the fact that I'm watching a produced show, which we know we are, but I don't want to be reminded of it. It doesn't feel like that person's language. Stop. Drew McIntyre doesn't need to say, welcome to Monday Night Raw. Yeah, no no, no kidding. Okay? We know a show we're watching, folks. <sighs> I mean, seriously, just take a listen. I, I, go back. Go back. Almost every single Raw. The first person that comes out, if it's a promo... Again, if it's a match that starts the show, obviously not. But whoever comes out first, if it's a promo segment, they will say the first line, welcome to Monday Night Raw. Stop. The announcers just welcomed us. We know who we are, we're, 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 what we're watching. So, okay, moving on. All right, let's take a quick break. We're going to get to my second choice, my second selection of who's on my Mount Rushmore right after this. Stay right there. The WWE Podcast will return after this quick break. 
So we all know how important it is today to stay healthy and safe. And right now there's a solution out there for both individuals and businesses to keep the air around you safe, to be able to create an ionic shield around your body that eliminates viruses, bacteria, airborne pollutants. It's essentially the new face mask. Again, it eliminates 99.9% of viruses, bacteria, and germs in the air and on all surfaces that uses a patented technology. And recent FDA tests have proved this purifier that will eliminate 99.9% of allergens like dust, mold spores, pet dander, bacteria, and it's called fresh air. So how do you get this? Where do you get it? It's at Valara.com, V-O-L-L-A-R-A.com slash aerodynamics. That's V-O-L-L-A-R-A dot com slash aerodynamics all one word or you can call tony durham himself 571-260-8641 that's 571-260-8641 guys this is not the time to be messing around with your health and this product has been proven by the fda to work keep your air safe and clean whether you're a business owner or you want to use it for your personal uh, space Head on over to Valara.com slash aerodynamics or call directly at 571-260-8641. Dynamite Sports. We put the R in sports. Swagfamous lifestyle. Defined as aspirational living, blended with an unquenchable taste for the arts, fashion, sports, and technology. One having an authentic display towards this swagfamous lifestyle. Dynamite Sports. We put the R in sports. Swag from this lifestyle. Defined as aspirational living, blended with an unquenchable taste for the arts, fashion, sports, and technology. One having an authentic display towards this swag from this lifestyle. Welcome back to the WWE Podcast. Let's get back to more great wrestling audio. All right, let's get to it. Let's get to the second individual that is on my list of people on the Mount Rushmore. So let's take a listen. That's uh, kind of goes without saying, right? I mean, especially given now about the docuseries, it just kind of reinforces the whole narrative about uh, The Undertaker being the true godfather of wrestling. He is uh, somebody that will never be replaced. And when they talk about there'll never be another Undertaker, there'll never be another Stone Cold, that phrase, those phrases are like, well, no kidding, right? Like, uh, number one, if anybody tried to be those people, it would be blatantly obvious and it would fail miserably, right? Knockoffs are traditionally terrible ideas that fail miserably and crash and burn. So anybody trying to be those people, well, no, that never works. And, and secondly, 
everybody's different just by science and by character and, 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 and look. So you're not going to have anybody, again, that is obviously The Undertaker or Stone Cold or Rock or whoever. So, uh, I don't know, it's just a little pet peeve of mine. But Undertaker has to be here, right? I mean, you have Stone Cold on the left. You have Undertaker sitting to his right. This guy, 30 years. You talk about longevity, there's your box. If I'm talking about my merits on how I weighed my decisions, Undertaker fits that that uh, that uh, requirement of longevity and blows it out of the water. And, and he's in his own stratosphere when it comes to longevity. And you could say... Well, of course he's lasted 30 years. He's only wrestling one match a year. Yeah, but here's the thing. People forget this and, and maybe look and brush past this this thought or the, this, uh, this, this point. If I had one match a year, or anybody had one match a year, I think, and, and Undertaker has alluded this, to this as well in several other podcasts he's done, that getting ready for one match a year, to me, is tougher mentally and physically than it is being out on the road and say wrestling 10, 20 matches a year, right? Or, 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 you know, maybe even full-time because full-time you're, you're kind of in the grind. It's just, you know what you're, you're going through. Your body's constantly being tested. It's being pushed. Your body gets into a routine. You're working out every day. Like with this, you're sitting at home. You have your family. You got to be taken away from your family to go train. And there's no no substitute for in-ring action than actually being live in front of fans. So they can try to emulate that as much as they want. Bring him a ring and stick it in his backyard. He can go do all the CrossFit he wants, and certainly that's helpful. But there's no replacement for true being being truly live live when the camera goes on and you're in front of an audience. That's the true test. So I would argue that in some ways, not all, right? Not all. But in some ways, getting ready for one match a year is harder. So the whole longevity thing, check. The crowd response. I mean, it's no Stone Cold Steve Austin in terms of the instant explosion. But Undertaker has had moments that are just, when you look at his career as a whole, are are just absolutely um, heart-stopping. Uh, I mean, you can point to Hell in a Cell with, with Mankind. Uh, you can point to when he was part of the corporate ministry, uh, when he abducted Stephanie McMahon. You can point to his match with Kane at WrestleMania 14 for the first time. Or when he returned as the dead man at WrestleMania 20 against Kane again. Um, you can point to when he became the American Badass. When he had his match against Brock Lesnar at Hell in a Cell as the American Badass and lost. Yeah, he had a, quote, broken hand. But he still lost clean to Brock Lesnar in the cell. I mean, there are so many moments of, of him hanging. <laughs> Anybody remember him hanging Boss Man at WrestleMania after the Hell in a Cell went up and he hung Boss Man with a noose? Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. Imagine that happening today. Think about that. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I don't even know if it's on the WWE Network. Go look up, and it's probably on YouTube, Boss Man, Undertaker Hangs Boss Man. It happened. I'm serious. So just take a take a little gander at that one. But Undertaker's had some iconic moments. More recently, Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels, WrestleMania 25 in Houston. WrestleMania 26, retiring Shawn Michaels. 27 and 28, classics against Triple H. End of an era, right? 
losing the streak against Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 30. I mean, th- this man has had more moments in his life than most people have, or mo- had in 30 years than most people have in their entire lives. So, I mean, again, you, longevity, crowd reaction, it's all there, and emotional connection. This man can play heel or babyface. We haven't seen a heel Undertaker in, I don't know how long, I don't know why you turn him heel at this point anyway. But the heel, uh, or the, the the crowd reaction and the crowd connection, the emotional connection, absolutely. I mean, I mean, you pile up, pile up all the t-shirts he sold, all the DVDs he sold, uh, all of that stuff that, again, only WWE has those specific numbers. I'm sure it is astounding. And this man has more respect in the pro wrestling business than anyone else. That has been corroborated and validated by legends like Ric Flair. Right? Stone Cold Steve Austin has said this. Nobody is respected more than Mark Calloway in the, in the locker room. Nobody. And rightfully so. So uh, it's interesting. It's also going to be interesting to see what the next chapter is for The Undertaker. Or for Mark. Does he have some kind of on-air role? Does he step away? Which is more of my assumption that Mark Calloway steps away, focuses on his family, eventually returns as maybe a trainer in NXT, and has some kind of a Shawn Michaels type of path of uh, just helping out the younger guys and gals at the uh, Performance Center in Orlando. I mean, like he he probably will always be somehow involved in the wrestling business. I would just think if this is this was truly his last match at uh, WrestleMania this past year with AJ, that that um, he will probably take some time away and then eventually return after his, uh, you know, he's completely, I guess, gotten the business out of his blood the best he can. So uh, that's my that's my guess. And I'm sure what's going to be fun, too, is after, as, as we move on in the months and years, we're probably going to be hearing rumors of Undertaker coming out of retirement. Will he come out of retirement? Will he have another one more match? And you can bet those rumors are going to be just absurd. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. I love all those one more matches uh, type of uh, type of rumors. It's fun to it's fun to dream, and it's going to be interesting or, or kind of ironic too, because everybody that has been just destroying Taker for his oh he should have retired long ago, he's not what he was, all that kind of thing. That oh he's too old, look at him, you know it's embarrassing, he's got to hurt himself. Those same people, those same people that were putting down the Undertaker for his performances will be begging for another when he retires, officially, and if he's a truly done. He, they will be begging for him to say, oh, how cool would that be? How cool would that be if Undertaker came back just for one more time with so-and-so? I can guarantee it. I can guarantee it. So, okay, uh, let's move on to my third person that is on the Mount Rushmore of wrestling. Yeah, I know. Not the most original, not the most interesting selection here, but I'm going practical here. I'm going practical with my selections because I mean, when you really look at the truth here, when you look at when you look at the wrestling world, who is more well known than Hulk Hogan? He's more he's got I think more household name value than Stone Cold, than The Rock. I really believe that. 
Although The Rock is quickly, 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 quickly catching up with all of his success in Hollywood. But nobody, nobody touches Hulk Hogan when it comes to name value or, or recognition of his face, right? Nobody, I think, even touches Hulk Hogan. And yes, I'm aware about his racial comments that he made many years ago, which I do not agree with. And we're not taking that into consideration. I'm looking at the pro wrestling aspect of his career how much he impacted the business was he a needle mover uh you know what was just again his crowd reaction which do i even need to talk about hulk hogan's crowd reaction when you look at the 80s into the early 90s and getting to hollywood hulk hogan in the nwo in uh wcw that was an absolute one of the most iconic moments and i was i know i said i was a wwe guy but who doesn't know about the time hulk hogan went from the black or the the yellow and red to the black and white i mean Turning heel and joining Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, creating one of the most famous, uh, well-known, game-changing groups of all time with the NWO. I mean, it, it is. I'm not just looking at his WWE career because I am aware of what he did in WCW, and it was. And he has had an extremely long career, one of which I'm sure that if he wanted, wished he could continue, he would. Uh, Hulk Hogan has to be on that mountain. He just has to be. I know that many of you are talking about his and thinking about his racial comments and all that. And I understand, but I'm separating that. And, and yes, I can do that because I'm looking at it from a wrestling perspective as if I looked at the, say Chris Benoit as just a pro wrestler. I know it's hard to inter or uh, not to intermingle those things, but there's Terry Bollea, Terry Bollea and then there's Hulk Hogan. I'm looking at Hulk Hogan. So, Again, I don't think anybody can deny the success that he had, the moments that Hulk Hogan has had from Andre the Giant slamming him at WrestleMania 3, the very first WrestleMania he was involved in. Uh, When you look at uh, his moments against The Rock at WrestleMania 18, when you go that far out, to joining the NWO, to returning to WWE with the NWO, going back to his Hulk gimmick, challenging Vince McMahon at WrestleMania, uh, which was, I think, honestly, a good match. Uh, I enjoyed that match. Um, one of the most iconic moments from Vince versus Hogan at Mania was Vince McMahon in a bloody mess, creeping up against the ring or slide or kind of like rising up from the side of the ring with the most sadistic look on his face. I think he had a lead pipe in his hand or something. I mean, it's just the, I laughed so hard at that. Um, but uh, Vince or I'm sorry. Hogan has had so many big moments. You can't deny his success. Hulkamania shirts still sell today. And that's you know 35 years ago that Hulkamania was running wild in the mid-80s. So, uh, again, Hogan, regardless of what you think about Terry Bollea, Hulk Hogan is, an, is probably the most well-known professional wrestler of all time. Alrighty, let's get to number four. Who's that fourth person on my list? If you smell what the rock is cooking. I don't know how you can have a list without this man on it, right? I mean, you have The Rock. It wasn't a big surprise. And I know this is not an exciting Mount Rushmore. I get it. I get it. And there's many people I did not include that you could make an argument for, like Kurt Angle, like Ric Flair, right? Bruno Sammartino. I get it. You can make a Triple H. You make a case for Eddie Guerrero. You can make a case for, for Bret Hart. I know that. It's hard. That's why this list is so difficult. It is so, so hard 
to put guys on this, this Mount Rushmore because you think, oh, well, what about that person? How can I leave that person off? But the problem, the, 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 the hard part is only four. And if you put a gun to my head, these are my four. These are my four. Austin, Undertaker, Rock, and Hogan. And again, when you look at the fourth uh, person here that I've chosen, The Rock, how can you deny his success in pro wrestling? I mean, he's gone on to be a mega, mega, mega movie star. We get that. But The Rock, when Austin was injured, carried the WWE on his back. He carried the WWE even after, uh, for some short time, after Austin retired. And then shortly thereafter, obviously, The Rock went to go into Hollywood. But The Rock was the man for a long time. And did he ever quite reach the success of Austin? Probably not. But The Rock has and, and was the embodiment of charisma. The Rock was the embodiment of exactly what he said he was. The most electrifying man in, in, in all of entertainment. It's exactly what he was. It's exactly what he was. So crowd reaction? I mean, good lord. Right? When you look at the, uh, the emotional connection with the fans, he encouraged participation from the fans without pandering to them. Just like Austin did. You don't have to pander to the fans. You just create a connection where they can kind of chime in and be part of it. Encourage group participation. And that's exactly what The Rock did with his millions and millions, right? His nursery rhymes that Austin called him. He had so many great moments uh, from The Rock, This Is Your Life with Mankind. That is still to this day the highest rated segment of all time in professional wrestling. Uh, to his return at the uh, 2011, I believe it was 2011, when he returned to uh, to be the host of WrestleMania to then go on and face John Cena at WrestleMania. Another man I didn't put on this list that you can make an argument for, John Cena. Um, so The Rock checks all the boxes, man. I mean, look at the moments he's had. The the Iron Man matches he's had with Triple H. Um, the title reigns. The match with Brock Lesnar at 2002 SummerSlam when he dropped the belt to Brock Lesnar. The return in 2001 after he filmed The Mummy Returns, his very first film. And choosing to to side with WWF and not WCW with Shane and uh, Stephanie, uh, just so many things. I mean, the, the promos he had against Stephanie, right? Um, so, just some of the funniest moments. He was one of the funniest promos and, and, and such a unique character on the show that he stole the show every time he was on it. And the matches he's had, how many times he's main evented WrestleMania. You can't not have a Mount Rushmore without The Rock. So, uh, again, guys, I know a very, very subjective selection. Many guys that I left off that I know I did. Ric Flair, Bret Hart, John Cena. I, I know that. I know that, and you can make cases for them. But who's on your Mount Rushmore? That's what I'm interested in. Who's on your Mount Rushmore and why? Uh, if you send me an email at realwwepodcast.gmail.com uh, and you tell me why, I'll get the explanation on the show next time I do a show, which is on either Saturday or Sunday, I'm not sure yet, for your weekend review with a, a co-host to be named. I'm working on a couple of uh, couple of my co-hosts, and we're all working around the pandemic and our changes in schedules and things like that. So uh, send me an email, though, and I'd love to hear your reasoning why you have who you have on, the sh- on, uh, on, on Mount Rushmore. It doesn't have to be an essay, right? I don't need a thesis, but I'm curious. I'm curious to see who you have. Uh, I'd love to be able to get your name and, and get your opinion and, and your take on who's on your wrestling Mount Rushmore on this show. It doesn't have to be WWE, okay? Uh, just because this is the WWE podcast does not mean it has to be exclusive to WWE, okay? Um, I'm admittedly a WWE guy because I watch them almost exclusively, but I'm not 
uh, ignorant to what happened in WCW. So, uh, or ECW for that matter, or a Ring of Honor, or, or any of the other promotions. So if you want to go dig deep, go ahead. This is completely open to you. So I'm asking you guys to send me what you think. Alrighty, well, that concludes the Wrestling Nostalgia for tonight. And uh, it's been, always, as always, a blast. And um, tomorrow will be NXT and AEW Reviews, respectively. So two shows dropping for you tomorrow. Uh, your HSP SmackDown Review, full SmackDown Review with Greg and Brian dropping Saturday morning. And then I will be back either Saturday or Sunday night for your weekend review with a co-host. So lots of audio coming your way. Again, head on over to patreon.com slash WWE podcast if you want to get this show and all of my shows, every single one ad free um, for a dollar a month. You can download them all um, and uh, get a shout out on the show and even come on the show and make your own show. That's a possibility as well. So um, also, if you like the show, rate and review us on Apple podcast. It really helps us out um, big time. So, Alrighty, guys, that's all I have. Again, follow us on Instagram at WWE underscore podcast or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash the WWE podcast. Until then, guys, I'll talk to you soon. Dynamite Sports. We put the R in sports. Swag for this lifestyle. Defined as aspirational living, blended with an unquenchable taste for the arts, fashion, sports, and technology. One, having an authentic display towards this swagfamous lifestyle. Dynamite Sports. We put the R in sports. Swagfamous lifestyle. Defined as aspirational living, blended with an unquenchable taste for the arts, fashion, sports, and technology. One, having an authentic display towards this swagfamous lifestyle. Thanks for listening to the WWE Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show or head to wwepodcast.com. And for all of these shows ad-free, head over to patreon.com slash wwepodcast. Until then, we'll see you next time.